Hello and welcome to the Path to Power podcast with me, Dominie Rowe. On this podcast, I talk to incredible men and women who have fought adversity and are turning their pain into power. I talk to people overcoming childhood trauma, abuse and unhealthy relationships who now have brands, businesses and are breaking the cycle to change their generational legacy. My own journey of pain to power is definitely ongoing. As a survivor of significant childhood trauma and physical and sexual abuse, I have often battled with my own demons. I have struggled with codependent and unhealthy relationships for most of my adult life. Left by my dad at less than two years old and abandoned by my mum at 12 years old, I ended up in the care of friends and wider family. My issues of rejection and my anxious attachment have led to many toxic behaviours in relationships and I'm on a journey to break the cycle. As a woman who is educated, professionally successful and has a wide network of incredible friends, why do I keep finding myself in the same patterns of broken romantic relationships? Stay tuned to hear me explore this question with a variety of men and women also on their own healing journey. Let's change our generational legacy together. On this episode of the Path to Power podcast, I catch up with the inspiring, compelling and pretty profound Penny Bell. Penny is a growing voice in the space of self-care and mental health. She is a well-being coach and creator on the health and well-being platform, Kygo Life, a mentor, speaker, writer and artist. Penny has been featured in Stylist Magazine talking about managing ADHD as an adult. She works with Ryman Stationery to promote the tool of journaling to help us heal. Penny is a trailblazer in using her vulnerability and authentic voice to articulate her ongoing journey of self-discovery, healing and stepping into her purpose. It is a pleasure to have been able to have Penny's voice with us on the first episode of the Path to Power podcast. On this episode, me and Penny discuss the challenges of developing healthy adult romantic relationships, despite some of the seemingly uncontrollable toxic behaviours that seem to suddenly take over when you are a survivor of significant childhood trauma. Listen to hear the authentic voices of two women aspiring to break the cycle of generational trauma in their legacy. Hi Penny, I'm so excited to have you here. This is a conversation that has been a long time coming. We have a lot of conversations anyway, but this particular one I'm really, really excited to have with you today. So Penny is an author, writer, blogger, coach, mentor, incredible speaker, uh, and particularly on the issues around mental health, relationships, trauma, anxiety, all those kind of things that, that we're talking about here on the podcast. So welcome Penny. Thank you for having me. I've literally been looking forward to this so much. Like you said, we chat a lot, but it's nice to um, have some of our chat to look back on. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And do you know what, babe? I forgot to say when we were saying hello, I actually wore this specially for you because me and Penny always do um, charity shop hauls. Penny's way better at doing them than I am. She posts them on her <laughs> Instagram. But this was actually a very granny dress. You can probably tell. And I actually chopped it. And so now it's a top and it's got a matching skirt that I made. I thought you might be impressed. I love it. And I love the colours. <laughs> I was just thinking when we started, I was looking at your orange and your purple and I was like, 
I've never seen my background be black and white and someone else is colourful. What colours are really making my eyes happy? <laughs> I hope they're making them happy and not like yeah, confused. Or, no, oh, you good. know I love a bit of colour. Oh, that's what I think, babes. I love it. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's like silk and like you say, the colours are gorgeous, but the style of the dress was like a proper grandma dress. Anyway. So uh, we changed that up. Anyway, Penny, yeah. So let's jump straight in. So um, we we were just talking then actually before we press record about kind of for us as, as older women who are kind of really healing or looking at the, the journey of healing and in that space around our childhood trauma and the things that we've had to overcome. It'd be good just to for you to share just a little bit about some of kind of your your initial childhood traumas and and really um kind of where where that's brought you to now as as an adult in this space because well, we are adults you know as much as we don't act like it we are adults we are I know. when you said we're older women I was like we are young did I say old women I meant wise darling women. oh older okay yeah <laughs> um, so yeah um I guess if I was to try and bullet point it um, the first kind of uh, traumatic experience I think I went through as a child is I lived in Birmingham, I was born in Birmingham. My mum left my dad quite abruptly um, for, with, I don't know, running away to London with someone else. Um, and I, and because, so almost initially, like almost immediately sorry um there was we were so we were in London like put into like hotels and hostels trying to be housed um and the um my mum's new boyfriend they fought a lot so a lot of um physical fights arguments um and with us living in like just a small space it was all very it you know visible so I didn't quite know um, whether we had been kidnapped or not. So I was really young, but I remember having moments where I was wondering if this, you know, bad guy was going to let us go. Like mm -hmm. I didn't know, you know, because um, I I was, uh, uh, for the short time that I was in Birmingham, I was a daddy's girl. So that was quite difficult um, seeing my mum, you know, growing up and with the domestic violence, not, not easing up. That was... Um, I think those were some of my earliest memories of um, trauma, I guess. Um, and cutting a bit further, you know, cutting in, um, mm. that um, relationship continued, you know, witnessing domestic violence throughout my whole childhood. Um, and ultimately a lot of, um, <laughs> a lot of dysfunction. Mm. Uh, my mum died when I was 15 um, due to heroin. I'm saying um a lot. I didn't think about this. Um, so ended up in foster care at quite a late age, about a year after getting into foster care, met my first serious boyfriend. A year after meeting him, I ended up in my own abusive relationship, uh, which lasted for six years until I was 21. And that was very violent, very traumatic. During the whole time, I didn't really grieve the loss of my mum because of the fact that I was in a situation where I felt like my life was at risk quite a lot. So yeah, eating disorders, substance misuse, loads of oddness. And then 
got out of that and uh, I was no longer a child. So that's the childhood trauma. <laughs> I was the, the old 21 year old. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and then it, it, it a lot of the a lot of um, a lot of madness continued as a result of the childhood trauma. But um, but yeah, those were the young years and uh, definitely had a strong negative impact on everything. If you consider that the I was about three or four when my mum left my dad. So yeah, it started then and and when, yeah. when, when I know, my, I know, and and sometimes I am um, when people ask me about mine, I, I kind of do a similar thing to you in that I bullet point it, and it's you know we've had to I think to a great extent disattach from the emotion of it, you know. Whilst there are times when we'll go into that and process that, and that's a big part of our healing, I think it, it's interesting, isn't it, when we talk about it that it's you know. Because sometimes I think, well, when when you say those kind of things and when certainly I share my experiences, I'm like, I'm surprised I'm not like on the floor bawling. Do you know what I mean? But I, I literally was like, are these, what are these ums? We better be able to edit them out because <laughs> I'm trying to compose myself like, um, <laughs> no, um, darling, we're not editing it. We're not editing our flaws because we're, we're incredible the way we are. But and then so where where would you say now like because and I think this is such an important conversation isn't it? and we started to get into it before we press record we were like quick press record but as you know as as women that have overcome significant childhood trauma that have witnessed domestic violence substance misuse mental health issues you know all of it the toxic relationships the you know the just everything that an unhealthy relationship is how do we learn to know what a healthy relationship looks like? And therefore, when we are entering into relationships, what's been your experience of that? Like into your, you know, the older, the older woman, but what? This what older we... lady that I am. Um, I am, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to be a bit of a pro in this answer because I'm still learning. I am, I guess, trying for the first time to um, to really embrace and understand that healthy relationships exist and they last. And it's not a too good to be true situation that I need to self-sabotage before I get hurt or abandoned. And that's the thing that I'm finding um, really interesting. I'd, I, I feel like up until more recently, I'm 34 now, and up until really recently, I kind of didn't pick, I didn't, I, I feel I feel quite bad even saying this, but I don't think I could even embark on a, a proper relationship because I weren't in a, I didn't understand myself. I didn't, I, I felt like I trusted people, but it was really surface level. I didn't know what I wanted from a relationship. I was so scared of being a burden that I just gave so much and, you know, expected so little back. So whenever I'd feel emotional, I would almost run away from that situation because then I'd feel like I, that person now has power over me and I'm the weak one and I need to just get out. And it weren't always a situation where that would happen. Things would come up and, you know, but I, I feel like I just had 
situations apart from you know my first um ex who ended up really um abusive and and that was such a, a big portion of me trying you know through everything that I'd seen this could have been the opportunity for me to restore my faith in men in relationships in love but it was the complete opposite it was a living hell and so I didn't even take the time to try and unlearn that I just saw when someone came along in my life that weren't abusive that didn't try to control me I saw them as healthy and I just needed to try to distract myself and get over what I'd been through I didn't know about the process of healing I I, I thought that because I didn't cry about things anymore and because I weren't in a state of devastation and yearning inside like I was at one point I felt like I was over certain situations and that I was free and potentially healed so I would then quickly get into really close connections with other people um, that just weren't weren't horrible to me and mm. see that as healthy, but also always check myself and and I was I was going through the the side of if they show any signs of trying to control me, they're toxic and I need to go. Or if I love them too much and I would miss them if they died, they need to go. So mm. I was torn between being too scared to love because I was scared of losing someone I loved like my mum and I'd never, um, you know, dealt with that. I was, I also stayed with the horrible ex because with it, with meeting him at the same time was losing my mum and then, you know, receiving affection from someone which I didn't have and it mirroring what I had with my mum getting all confused about what intimacy should be mm. um, and just relating re and, and, you know, uh, comparing any kind of intimate relationship to the one I had with my mum. I, I, I was just, you try and you, you say anything that makes me feel controlled, I'm out. And that could just be, hi, where are you? I'm like, <laughs> why do you know where I am? Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a sign, <laughs> that's a red flag. Or if I look at you and think, oh, I love you. Oh, no, because if you leave here and die, I'm going to miss you. I'm going to lose my mind. It's going to feel that. So I just was yeah. not, it was not going to happen. It was only surface level. Um, and, you know, I just, I just, I had to begin within. And, and that's where I'm at now. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Finally, Babe, I feel like I'm at that place too. Don't worry. <laughs> deciding that I don't mm. need to be with another person to feel whole, but also mm. to be the one, I don't need to be the one that's just, you know, given so much to feel like, yeah, I don't know, is it, is it ego where I want to feel needed, but I don't want to need anyone? I think, um, there's some interesting stuff around attachment theory, which I'm sure you've come across in terms of like those, uh, the importance of our early attachments with our primary caregivers and what those relationships look like. And then how our brains it automatically, like our subconscious is triggered when we're in a romantic situation and it reflects back that that we of the feelings that we felt when we were young you know so the the needing to be needed would often be I know when I've processed my own trauma and looked at I have what's called an anxious attachment style so probably the opposite to you Penny actually in that I attach really go on yeah. sorry I was gonna say I think I I identify with 
uh, anxious attachment. I think we possibly do go through not the real self, <laughs> yeah. not the fake sure, not the yeah, 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 not that I'm independent, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I don't need you other like you just sure out every day. <laughs> and actually, different, different um, other like different attachment styles of in people that we might meet, like in men that we might meet, would trigger different attachment responses in us, right? But essentially, my kind of my overriding is the anxious one, and and with that comes this need to be needed, and so similar to you I ended up in a lot of codependent relationships where I would be trying to be the fixer of these men who I saw great potential in but they never actually showed me that they saw it in themselves or that actually they could back their words with actions I just projected a view and a vision for them which in my work life and in my friendships etc that is a beautiful strength and quality that I have because I'm an empath I can see the good in people and I can call it out and it's uh, you know I see a lot of that in you Penny as well obviously in the work that you do but in that and with that comes this need to be needed you know and as soon as that goes that sense of rejection abandonment aloneness that is so raw and 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 like you said even for me as a, a 30 I'm 35 so I'm slightly older than you and why is that no I'm joking <laughs> um but even even at, you know at my my lovely wise age th- these aren't feelings that have gone away they're just feelings that are triggered and I have to be able to recognize those triggers in in a relationship and almost not react to the the trigger you know like completely second guess what would be my innate reaction and that's and that is doing the work oh gosh babes listen I'm still learning it it's just it's just that I've identified that that's what I would be doing if I was in a healthy relationship but I think the point is also that in a healthy relationship right the other person is doing the same thing so you're both you are both doing the work certainly for me and 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 that similar to you you know when you said sort of is is a healthy relationship just like a far-fetched dream or you know something that is really actually tangible I often have the same fear and it is a fear you know it's something I'm aware of it's something that I have to actively affirm I am worthy of a healthy relationship and I will find that healthy relationship when God deems that to be the right time you know but I think that for me, that would look like somebody else that is also doing that work, that is also aware of their triggers, that knows, you know, when they feel a certain way, their behavior becomes a certain way, and that could be destructive. And so there's that communication to prevent that from happening. Does that make sense? Yeah. A mature man. A mature man. Yes, please. Yes, please, Lord. Yeah. absolutely I mean but like you said like it's it's, it is you know with all of this and and in the healing journey and you know you do a lot of work around wellness and self-care and self-love these things and and we you and I have said this before like particularly when you're from a background where you've had to overcome the most significant traumas, you know, the abuse, the, 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 the physical abuse, the witnessing of domestic violence, the sexual abuse, the, the unhealthy, the toxic environment. When you've had to overcome that in any relationship, you're, you're always coming from the, the, from the bottom. Does that make sense? Like 
you operate from a point of rejection. That's right. That's right. And so the work, you know, it's like the inner voice stuff. It's constant, isn't it? Because the, the battles in the mind, the voices that we're having to contend with, it, it, it's every day, every minute, every hour. So the work is going on all the time. It, you know, if, if we're in that... Non-stop. Like we were saying before, sorry, my cut-off game strong. Had you landed? Yeah, go on. <laughs> no, no, honey, I'm just as bad. So I'm all, literally, when you and I talk, because we are like that anyway, let I'm always talk. like, let, let me let me create space. Let me create space. But no, go well, on. We did, um, we did, we were touching on it earlier and um, about before we press record, when I was like, let's just press record. <laughs> we'll end up doing two podcasts here. Mm. Um, but it's so easy to feel like we've overcome something, have a situation which arises, which makes us feel so healed, so free. Oh, look, I'm embracing love. Look at me, I'm so precious. <laughs> and then we get a tri- we get triggered or something happens that makes us feel like we've gone 39 steps back. We haven't healed a second in our life. And when we are going through that, we can be tempted, especially as our, us with this work that we do, we can be tempted to stop sharing so openly Mm. and stop being um, a voice for the thing that we're struggling with. Because I know for me, I always felt like I'd been through a lot that I had got over, AKA turned absolutely numb to. (laughs) So I really understood certain women. I really cared and loved certain women that I didn't even know because I just saw exactly where they were coming from. I felt it. I, I, you know, it's, it's, I related. And, but what I didn't realize is that I hadn't actually dealt with the thing that we had in common. I identified and felt empowered about how aware I was of it, but I hadn't gone to the root and dealt with it. So the reason I'm going around in, in explaining it like this is because I went for a time where I was blogging every week. I was writing a blog post a week. Um, you know, a little bit more about my adult life is at 30, as you know, I got diagnosed with uh, severe ADHD. And then a year later, CPTSD, which is complex post-traumatic stress disorder, which is understandable. And I just started, I hadn't, I, I had a, I had wanted as a writer to write books that help people like Joyce Meyer. Um, she'd been through a lot and she wrote books that helped to empower people. But I always knew that I would only have the authority authority so to speak spiritually and professionally to do that when I was free from those things because you can't set someone free if you're still bound that's how I felt and I feel like I'm deviating away from that belief at the moment because whilst I was blogging for a year like writing or writing a blog post a month or a week really regularly sharing everything I was learning about my mental health which I was only just becoming aware of I stopped when I went into a dark place. Um, It was at the point when I'd got diagnosed with CPTSD. Um, I couldn't manage my ADHD anymore. All this amazing stuff I'd learned about managing it without medication, which was working and my triggers were lessening, went out the window. And I went into a season where I felt like, how can I write? How can I help people? How can I um, tell people how to be free when I'm not practicing none of it? I don't want to practice none of it. I am sticking all the fingers up at it like this. (laughs) I am just like, I don't want to do none of it, even though I know it all works. How can Mm. I dare to 
you know, and then other things happened and I felt just so unempowered and, and at, you know, I forgot this actually until I'm telling you, but I forgot, I, I felt like I didn't have a place to help. And, and what I'm just, as I'm going through and relearning and reparenting and, and really feeling to heal at the moment, feeling things that I, I've, I've been feeling emotions lately that I have never felt since I was seven years old. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, real feelings. And I guess they're probably normal feelings that some people probably feel every now and again, cry it out and keep it moving. I have refused to let any kind of emotion this intense come up. It's a trauma response. It's a a block and survival isn't it it's survival our brain does it without our permission but it goes into survival yeah and so I just Mm. wanted to step into a place at the moment which I haven't actually um, I guess I do little posts like hey to anyone feeling like and really I'm I'm talking about myself anyone that resonates I hope that it helps them too but I think I'm about to start being a little bit more open about what I'm navigating my way through currently um, because I think it is so important it's it's so important to let people know that healing isn't a destination it's a journey and you can you know every part of your life and your character and your emotional you know well-being that improves it is always an improvement even if you feel like you've gone backwards sometimes you have to go back and pick up other little bits that are attached it doesn't mean that the whole year you spent hiding in your cave with nothing but water in a journal it doesn't mean that that wasn't impactful and important It just means that there are layers to it. And if you're finding that you feel like you're going backwards all the time, it's because you could be on a very, you know, a very blessed, rapid healing path. Absolutely. You know, a very blessed path of rapid healing. Sorry, my. And you and you. But you said that to me, Penny, not too long ago when I was in a situation. And I remember saying to you, babe, I thought this demon had been dealt with. Like I thought that, you know, and it was in a relationship context. And, and I remember you saying, honey, this is a rapid, this is a rapid healing bit of it. Right. You know, it's so intense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, that's, and why, that's why a lot of the time we find not just as women, but as, as people that something will come into our life that we wish we avoided, whether it be someone asking us to go on a night out, a, a person coming into our life and we get into a new relationship mm. or something that we feel like we shouldn't really do, but we want to do. And it's up to us if, you know, if it feels uncomfortable, if it makes us feel vulnerable, if it makes us feel weak, backward, like we're going backwards, like we're not who we thought we were. It's up to us to identify that sometimes these things come to help refine us right you know it's right. it's like you know we we pray for you know lord heal me lord please um help me be healed i mean I, you know i did have a mindset of feeling like that you know when the lord felt good and ready he'd go okay healed <laughs> you know <laughs> and i don't mean to even I, I feel uncomfortable even imitating but i did feel no, like yeah. you know at one point when when i'm well behaved and ready the lord will just heal me and i'll wake up better but what happened is difficult situations came up people were allowed to be led into my life and i was allowed to make decisions that weren't the best because these as romans 8 28 says the lord will turn all bad things around for the good good. of those that love him and are called to his purpose so it was 
you know, the law doesn't send these bad situations, but if we're making bad choices based on trauma and based on mm. our need for love, then they, these will be the exact, if we allow, the exact situations that will be used to refine us if we choose to let them. Yeah. So that's the silver lining of everything. Yeah. And it's not like, oh, so that person treated me like absolute muck from a bum and I should just see it as, oh, it's going to be turned around for the good. Feel what you're feeling, experience what you're feeling, honor your trauma, your pain and everything. Yeah, do that. But yeah, <laughs> it can always, you know, some things aren't our decision, but everything can be used for our the development. Good. Absolutely. Yeah. I am, um, you know how much I love my Kira London penny, isn't it? My 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 trainer. I do. I, do. I know I'm you do. I know you're though. in this. I, oh, are you in the squad? I remember when I saw you in the squad. Hey, good girl. Um, wait sometimes just for fun. Oh, I bet you do, darling. Yeah, barbell. <laughs> do the squats. <laughs> but, um, but I actually shared something earlier because um, I'm doing like an online health and well-being fitness kind of course because I really got into like my exercise and my fitness over the last couple of years. It's definitely been for me a real coping mechanism, you know, around my healing. And I think it's helped me to channel some of my like ADHD energy as well and just my mad behaviors. But what what the post was talking about is um, the the idea of progression. So within like the health and fitness industry, there's a term called progress progressive overload, right? And it's the idea that you build up more weights and your muscles as a result become more defined because there's progressive overloading on you. Does that make sense? So. <clears throat> Your, whether it's weights, whether it's additional time that you're training for, whether it's um, like you're training more regularly, the point is that you're overloading your body. You're putting a you're 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 putting progressions in in comparison to what you had been doing, and it it the idea is that you become more defined. I don't know why I'm going like this. Like my arms have got some kind of like definition, babes. I mean, I mean. <laughs> But the point is that it's in that it's in that process and that that overloading that we become more defined. And I always think of that analogy of the diamond. You know, it's as was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. It's just I was gonna say that when we were talking before and I was speaking about the situations that come along, I was literally going to say the same way. It's a fire. It's fire that mm. refines a diamond. And pressure. We have to yeah. see where the fire pops up for us. Yeah. to be refined and not burnt yeah yeah absolutely and when you were talking a minute ago and you you touched on the idea of like you know bringing up the roots from the past and and healing the roots how would you say in in scenarios where you have you know where you're definitely in a better place with it you know okay let's put relationships to one side we're still working through that but in the areas where you know okay with my mental health I can manage that far better now than I could before I have far more structure or etc cetera, etc cetera. what would you say have been some of the tools the strategies that you've used to dig up those roots and to do do the work as they say like for you what has been that um consecration first so separating myself uh, that's from... a very uh intense word what does that mean i was just giving a definition <laughs> oh sorry um, no so like to consecrate yourself like to hide away basically mm -hmm. so i was deliberate about um, cutting down on the social activities that I took part in. I was, I, I literally um, got signed off sick. 
from work and begun then just I, I, I just hibernated basically and in that time I, I I journaled a lot I wrote letters to people that I had emotional ties to I didn't send these letters and they were never going to be sent um, but I just had to cry I had to, which I, I didn't do, even small things like, you know, things that made me feel a small bit rejected, but had a massive impact on me. Um, and the amount of effort I had to put into blocking that feeling of rejection, that was something that I had to really cry out. Um, I also spent a lot of time painting. Um, and the reason I did that was because um, I have a very hyper mind at times, which can mean that even just wanting to journal, wanting to listen to, um, you know, uh, meditative music or soaking music where I could just process my thoughts, that can't always happen for me. I can't I can't. <laughs> and and the reason I'm smiling is because, you know what, today, while I was exercising, I thought the exact same thing. Because I was talking to someone the other day and I thought, just the way my energy is set up, like that is how I would describe it. Like I can spend a level of time in those zones and, and meditating. And meditation for me is a daily practice. But any more than 10 minutes, mm-mm. No, no, no. You know, the mind, the mind wanders anyway, as we know, but the, but I've just, I've had to come to accept that, that, you know, for me, actually, the exercise, the intensity, like for, for, for my body, that actually helps me to channel my energy more effectively and positively than it would if you were to try and make me sit down for an hour mm. and listen to some music. But do you know what I mean? Not that I don't enjoy other no, things, but but what, that's exactly what I had to do. I had to just be open and, and not have any other, you know, and obviously we've got jobs, we've got families and stuff, but even if where I had to kind of hibernate and go deep, you could have an hour a morning or an hour at night where you're just free, but your, your, your goal is to, you, you've be. got your, your healing on your mind, you know? So during this acknowledgement and knowing that I wanted to, you know, seek God deeper and, and get and really access the, the, the freedom that I know is available to me that I am playing a huge part in blocking. I, so on the times where I'd feel hyper, I'd put on music, I'd sing my heart out. Mm. I'd, I'd really, you know, I'd relate all the lyrics to, you know, if it's a, if it's a song, a love song, I would, uh, I would sing it to the Lord and just mm -hmm. get that energy out and just yeah. feel love. I would, like I said, at times when I was in a meditative place, but I couldn't just sit still and chill. Yeah. I would, um, I would do other things that helped me to meditate, like paint, cook, clean, um, these were things at that time, I can't say cleaning is at the top of my list right now. But, um, <laughs> these were the things that I would, it would help me. I'd put on like, um, like I said, I'd put on, it's really funny actually, I'm just gonna be real. I'd put on pregnancy music. So there's this CD I got in Sainsbury's once and it was called Pregnancy. I don't know what made me buy it. I, have, <laughs> no, like, no, I was no, thinking the same thing. <laughs> I've had no, I, was, I was probably about 18 when I bought it as well. No intention of um, having a baby at any, you know, at any point that I've listened to it. Mm. At that time, obviously I am going to be a mum, but I didn't then. And I just know what made me buy it. It's three pounds. There's a woman on the front with a pregnant belly. <laughs> but when I tell you this CD, the music, the most healing thing I think I've ever heard. The, it, it, it was the first time I cried my heart out in mm. about three years when I first heard that, I was 18. My mom had passed when I was 15, I hadn't cried properly. Put that on one day just to chill out. 
didn't even know what to expect. And, you know, so I now know through being blessed by finding that CD is that those kind of tones and that kind of music helps me to meditate. But sometimes if I can't sit still, I need to have, you know, another activity that's calming for me on the go. And what I'd find is in painting, I'd be sitting there, all the twinkles going with the tunes. And you can listen to just nice tunes that, you know, make you feel relaxed. I was about to say upbeat. I'm definitely going to try the pregnancy ones because I mean, why not? I found it on iTunes now. send it to you and um mm-hmm. and what I would what would happen like literally and and it, it felt almost supernatural at the time because I'm like is I would just sit there and all of a sudden I would get a memory from my childhood that hurt that I'd blocked out or forgotten about and understand why that's related to something I do now just wow. out of nowhere wow just out of nowhere and then I would just reassure myself inside like that's not gonna happen. That was not, you know, mm. just and and it can happen as quick as that. But then also, it can no, be a process that you know. But this is what I I had to do. I had to strip away the distractions and the the coping mechanisms, the numbing, uh, the the whatever I was using to numb myself, and really find things that help me be myself, tap into myself, and that helped well, me get. And why do you think that's so hard, babe? Because I feel like for a long long time I knew the things that I should have been doing like I knew that I should have been journaling I should have been meditating I should have been doing my affirmations I knew the things that would make me feel better if I did them but what is it do you think within ourselves that stops us from from doing that like why do so many of us either wait so long or we know what we should be doing but instead we choose to watch Netflix or to to you know text a guy or the sabotage. sabotage is real mm. one. Um, a lot of us have schedules where we can only give ourselves time at night. And a lot of the time our mood drops at night and we don't have the energy to do that. So mm. we then need to just zone out um, on things like, you know, Netflix and, and TV and just sit and doing nothing because we get, you know, a lot of us have a natural energy drop at a certain time. Mine's about 4.35 PM. And it's not like I just all of a sudden, but, I have to be very mindful about what I eat after that time, um, what I engage in and and what pressure I put on myself. If I could try and get all my important stuff, my interactions done before four o'clock, I'm not going to feel like a failure when I can't get my, because my my mood and my energy drops. I have come downs because of my own energy. And a lot Mm. of people do, especially if you have a lot of energy or you're doing a lot of, you know, you're on technology a lot or you're, you're active throughout the day. So you feel like until I go to sleep, I'm going to be productive, Penny. And no, because at a certain point you just drop. And if you don't identify that and cater to yourself and learn to love on yourself during that time and and give your, you know, begin then, um, you're going to start feeling rubbish. And then, and, and you're, it's just going to be a cycle. So you just have to understand where you're at. Um, Like I said, self-sabotage is real and that's a whole different conversation, but it is, it is, wild if if anyone's listening and just and doesn't actually know how serious self-sabotage is not as a little action but as an actual psychological disorder self-sabotage is a mindset that look it up because 
and, no, I, and will... I was I was going to touch on the mindset stuff because you know I, and you're you've been doing a lot and I think you're now a coach aren't you with Kygo mm. the platform that you're involved in but the the wellness platform and um I've engaged in some of the content on there and it's incredible but specifically sort of looking and talking about the these patterns that we can get into of you know where we're not aware of our mindset where we're not actually catching our thoughts at every minute and challenging them and saying well actually is that thought serving me is that serving the version of myself that I want to become or is that an old subconscious trauma-informed thought that I need to actually do some work on I would say that that for me and you know it's linked to self-sabotage but for me, that's probably been the biggest piece of work. You know, there's been lots at different points in the journey, but that one, and that for me is so ongoing, you know, so ongoing, like that inner critic voice, the thing that, you know, where the fear is, you can't do that. Who do you think you are? The imposter syndrome, you know, all of that. It's mindset as well, isn't it? It's the, and, and this is what goes back to what I was saying earlier that, you know, we have to recognize that when we've overcome this childhood trauma or we overcoming we are constantly having to be alert to those thought patterns and those sabotaging behaviors that otherwise is subconsciously will destroy us because we won't be intentional to fight back exactly exactly mic drop <laughs> Um, I will say that it is obviously we we could chat forever and we're going to do lots more stuff together anyway, Penny, aren't we? But it would be good to bring to bring this conversation to a close. Is there anything that you would add in terms of kind of, um, you know, the, the, anything that's made along the way been just a real instigator for your own development and your own healing and, and just really, I guess, any wise words, anything that you would share to encourage that in others, anyone listening who might not even recognize that there's a journey of healing needed or, but they know that they're in a bit of a pattern. Maybe they're, they, they keep entering into these relationships which are toxic and seeing these similar behaviors. What, what would you say? I would say as petrifying as it can feel when you're used to, you know, distracting yourself with anything. Um, and, you know, I guess it, I think it's one of the good things that, you know, if we're able to, that we can get from things like a lockdown is being comfortable with yourself and by yourself um, because when you are just you know when you are trying to be there for people trying to trying to feel needed by people you just push all your needs aside and it is great to be of help it is great to want to pull the best out of people but your cup will run dry if you don't constantly fill it up so i would say be comfortable by yourself and be you know, if you do know that you are in and around a lot of toxic relationships for different reasons, just have a break, have some time away from, from them. Um, and affirmations, as you know, I love an affirmation. And what I would encourage is if there are areas in your life that you feel um, you are 
um, kind of covering up or that these distractions are feeding. So for instance, if you have insecurities, if you feel like you're not, you know, your, your self-worth is low or you feel like you're not important unless you're successful um, or you feel invaluable unless you're, you know, doing everything for everyone else, then just or any insecurity you have or anything that's holding you back from seeing yourself in a bright light, then find some affirmations that can support them and write them down and speak them over yourself at least once a day. So um, some favorites of mine that have helped so much is I am healed. I am whole. I will not everything I think is real. Mm. I am better than I think. I am mm. loved. I am lovable. I am valuable. I am, I am worthy. I'm yeah, enough. I am worthy. I am enough. And just having a list that even if you don't believe them, you want to believe them. And you do kind of hear people say that it's true about you, but you haven't experienced it on the inside. And just, just, just get into a habit of being careful how you speak about yourself and going out of your way to speak to yourself in an edifying way, in a way that you would someone else that is feeling less than. Um, and yeah, and, li and like one of those affirmations said and stated, not everything you think is real. Not everyone you think hates you and judges you does. Not every situation that arises or opportunity comes up that you think you're gonna be crap at. No, that's not always true. So bear that in mind when you're overthinking or when intrusive thoughts tell you a negative thing that tell you that, you know, anything around can't or anything negative that makes you feel heavy. If a thought makes you feel heavy, identify that it could be fake. It could be a lie. You could be wrong and move on, mm. leave it. Because if you, if you are, if it is, if you are right, you can't control it anyway. And if you're not, then free yourself from it. Because yeah, that's where the heavy thoughts make us low. So Amazing. that's the wise word I got from Uzu. That is wise, girl, that is wise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when you're thinking light thoughts, you feel high. And when you're thinking heavy thoughts, you feel low. Mm. So yeah. It's so good. Every time I talk to you, I'm like, oh, there's so much more. There's so much more to talk about. Oh. And I know that you're going to be doing an Insta Live series on your page regularly. Yeah, and so if people want to get more of this amazing content and this insight and you are an incredible inspiration penny and the more that you share the the more vulnerable and whenever i've spoken to you you have always been incredibly vulnerable and authentic in whatever the place is that you're in at that moment and i just love that about you and i'm proud of you and i i honor you for being that person to me as well and and Thank just you. yeah you're incredible so where where can people find you where can we engage with your work and and see what you're doing um, if you, at the moment, I'd say to keep it simple, come over to my Instagram page um, where I have links and directions to everything. Um, I have got a new online community called The Orange Room, which um, is on a community called Kygo. And it's just a wellness platform, as you said earlier, full of um, people that are pouring goodness out. And, and it's like it's amazing it's amazing and penny shares incredible content every day so you're doing a series on journaling at the moment you've been doing some cooking some you're looking at um doing the art stuff and inner child work and really practical tools for people so it's an incredible incredible like tool that people can access isn't it yeah. amazing my and instagram so has all the links and my instagram's penny bell so p-e-n-n-y-b-e-l-l-e -L -L -E. 
yeah and we'll put that in the description for the podcast and in the description for the youtube as well love you penny thank you you so much thank you for having me thanks for listening to today's episode of the path to power podcast to join our community, you can contact me on Instagram at lovedomini, subscribe to the podcast and get in touch. Share the podcast with anyone else you know that may need some strength and hope that they too can use their pain as their power. Mm-hmm.